Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Interesting report uh, has come out uh, from the Montreal Economic Institute revealing, I think, things that we already knew that 56,000 jobs, mostly for students, have been cut because of the minimum wage increase. And food costs are up 5.6%. That's three times faster than any other province. And even though the liberals were warned about this, that this would happen, they didn't care. They had to buy an election. This is what they were going to do. But this report shows that uh, workers age 15 to 24 have been hurt the most. And that's because... Businesses had to cut the low-hanging fruit, you know, and the young ones were the first to go. I don't know how this is good. But then, of course, your food prices go up, which means other people suffer. Everyone else suffers for that. Let's talk to uh, Stephen Mastoris on this issue. He's with Gordian Hospitality Corporation. So he has a great idea of just how hard this particular sector has been hit, and he joins us now. Steve, you know, we've often talked about uh, all the the pains that people are going through not getting their living wages and taking sick days away, but we don't often hear from the businesses as to how it is affecting them. And then we get this report showing that really the hospitality, the restaurant industry has been hurt the most. What do you hear given your experience in the industry? Well, you know, I've got a lot of great friends who operate uh, various businesses uh, in this city and in this province uh, of Ontario. And they tell me that it's never been more difficult to uh, to operate their businesses. Uh, you know, the labor cost component, uh, which was something that w- was a bit of a controllable expense over the years in our industry, is no longer. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has escalated uh, costs uh, directly on the labor side and uh, impacting people's ability to stay in business. Well, the report that we read that came out of Quebec, um, they say, you know, 56,000 jobs have been have been lost, mainly those that would have gone to, let's say, summer help for students. And so is it is it that restaurants are just simply taking those jobs away and trying to manipulate the hours so that they can hire one less body and give more hours to a full timer? How is it working? Well, in the lead up to uh, the implementation of Bill 148, their operators were looking uh, in a comprehensive way at what steps they had to take to survive the immediate impact of a 21% labor cost increase. And people were changing their scheduling, they were changing their hiring decisions, they were uh, making decisions about their hours of operation, what kinds of suppliers they were going to be using. So the decisions that they made uh, had both a direct and indirect impact, I think, on the employment side of things. And, you know, our industry is well known for being the first time number one uh, job leader for young people, for example. And it was an expectation that with 148 going into effect, we'd see a lot of young people losing their job opportunities. And in fact, that's been the case. That number of almost 60,000 people was a number that you know, the Financial Accountability Office was telling the Premier before the bill's implementation, and uh, they didn't listen. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the efforts that they made were purely uh, political self-preservation, uh, quite frankly. And, and business operators 
took the the brunt of that kind of decision making. What is the biggest misconception? Because I know, you know, when the Tim Hortons stories came out and we had the, you know, automatic vilifi- you know, vilification of Tim Hortons, you know, they became the the bully, as Kathleen Wynne had called them. And since then, you know, it's almost impossible to get businesses to come forward and, and speak about this because, again, they don't want to be also fur- further, you know, bullied or, or, or blacklisted. What is the biggest misconception people have about businesses and the minimum wage? Well, it's very difficult for independent business owners to to step up and speak out uh, about their concerns, and, and that's very understandable. Um, by the same token, uh, the large operators, the chain-type operations, uh, were relatively quiet on the matter, and, and quite honestly, um, what needs to be recognized is that although there are franchisees out there, these are small business owners who, uh, you know, work seven days a week, 18 hours a day uh, to to try and keep their businesses sustainable and, and employ tens of thousands of people. Uh, but again, a, a small business model within the context of a, a larger chain type operation is very, very common in our industry. So to suggest that, uh, you know, the big chains are taking advantage of people, I don't think is fair either. Uh, fundamentally, small businesses, uh, had some certainty for a number of years as the minimum wage increase was tied to CPI for a number of years under the previous uh, government. And then all of a sudden came down as a pre-election uh, uh, effort uh, that uh, we'd be seeing a 22 and subsequently 32% increase, uh, which was supposed to go into effect on January 1, 2019. Uh, we've seen the tens of thousands of job losses because of the fact that this was a decision that happened too quickly without any genuine consultation with small business. And so where does the story, do you think, go from here? I mean, Doug Ford has, you know, lived up to his campaign promise. He has started to roll back that that second minimum wage um, hike, and he's, he's trying to ease the regulations. Is this giving any relief, especially, let's say, to the hospitality industry? Are you hearing that there's some relief? Or, or do you get the sense that small business are still very much hanging on? Absolutely. I mean, there are operators who are telling me and telling our, uh, our association, uh, Restaurants Canada, that... They're extremely pleased with the uh, decision of the provincial government, and it couldn't have happened at a uh, at a better time. Uh, the uh, the freeze certainly is, is something that people can can uh, can deal with and and try to uh, adjust to uh, as CPI increases take effect over the next few years. But also really critical to our industry is the tip def- the the wage differential component for alcohol servers. Uh, that's something that, uh, you know, we feel needs to be maintained and, and needs to continue to be something that uh, the government uh, keeps a cap on. Um, Meaning what? Explain I, that to me. Well, you know, in, in the food service and licensed establishments, uh, there there is a, uh, a secondary wage differential yeah. which relates yeah. to uh, alcohol servers. And, uh, and that's something that's been in effect for a number of years and continuously increased tied to CPI for a number mm-hmm. of years. Uh, but it's something that we'd like to see maintained uh, in our industry because the reality is that tip earners, uh, gen- you know, generally earn a lot more than that uh, that wage rate. So, uh, and and that's you know the nature and, and scope of the industry. But you know, generally speaking, the hospitality industry has truly been adversely impacted uh, 
by Bill 148, and it's going to take a long time to recover. Uh, the impact on pricing, you know, we've seen a 7% increase in, in prices across the uh, the board uh, to our customers, and, and there's no guarantee they're going to keep coming back. Yeah. Well, yeah, once people are gone, they generally don't kind of come back, and the prices don't generally go down. That's my experience. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's like getting attacked. Right. It doesn't disappear once it uh, comes in. But again, we'll have to stay tuned to this. But, uh, you know, we don't hear very often from the other side, but this, I thought this study in particular was very um, intriguing, especially based on the fact that once you start to see the prices and the food go up, then other people tend to say, okay, hold on a second. I didn't, I didn't bargain for this. Yeah, I mean, it takes time yeah. for the uh, the the numbers to to show themselves. Uh, but in this instance, they've happened very quickly. I think the impact has been very very clear in terms of its adverse uh, effect on on the economy for small business. And it's not just our sector; it's sure. all sectors of the economy. It's also had a uh, a cascading effect, if you will, on on wages with other employees in our industry. Uh, you know, those who are work, you know, earning X amount are are now asking for Y and so on because of that upward wage pressure. Mm-hmm. And these aren't positives. You know, anytime you add to the cost of doing business, somehow or another, it's got to get either absorbed, passed on, or ultimately, uh, you know, negatively <laughs> impact the business. Well, Steve, we'll keep our eyes uh, on this, and hopefully, you're wrong. But uh, I sense you are right on this. But thank you very much. I appreciate it. My pleasure. That is Steve Mastoris joining us tonight. Hey, when it hits your pocketbook, that is when people notice. On point here on Global News Radio.